This episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, where adventure begins. Check out their website at gamersinlehigh.com. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Welcome to another exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio, and the whole team is back. We don't have Audrey or Jared too, or Jessica too with us. Jared and Jessica too. Actual Jessica. Yeah, you didn't hear that. Uh uh So uh, yeah, we had McKay on last week, and uh, up McKay. He uh, he was Jared too. He stood in for Jared too, and then we had AJ sitting in with us, and then we had Scott from the Ghostbusters of Salt Lake, and since he was the prettiest one out of us, we just made him Jessica, too. All right. Yeah. All right. That's a yeah. compliment, babe. Uh, we missed Scott and McKay at the same yeah. time. Yeah. They actually did a great job. It oh, was, sure. It was lots of fun. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so we got a really great show tonight. We've got author Ferret Steinmetz coming on, and yes, that is really his name. Um, and then we'll be talking about his new book, The Flux, which is the sequel to The Flex. Um, so, yeah, it'll be kind of interesting to see what's going on. And then uh, we'll be talking about some geek news because there's some really exciting, uh, well, superhero and geek television shows out there. And if you haven't caught up on them, holy crap, where are you living? Because it's awesome. I haven't caught. You know what? Well, I don't want to hear it from you. You have an excuse. You are absolutely the worst at going to see movies when they come out. So I don't hey, want to hear it. you guys it. have I an excuse. You guys got married, so you have an excuse to be behind. Oh, yeah. That's there's true. our first little drop of nerd news. Oh, Geeks yeah. and nerds out there everywhere. There is hope. Go out there and find your nerdy significant other. Jessica and I just got married this past yes. week. Yes. It was a nerd union. It was beautiful. It was awesome. Yeah, pretty. pretty. They're going to say bad. Yeah. Ace. And then, and then to uh, to top everything off as a nerd couple, we went to Universal Studios. Yes. Almost it, got killed by a horde of a perch, rabid people. Of the yeah, perch. we went, had. Yeah, we went to, uh, was it the Fright? It's it called the Hollywood Horror Nights, and it's still going on. So any listeners out in California or anyone wanting to take a road trip or whatever, you need to do this. Get your butt to Universal Studios. We will not Studios. give you spoilers, but I will say. What's on the website? What is on the website? Um, they have the Purge. They have yeah. my, which is really funny because um, this is the end. It was incredibly hilarious and the, the scary Seth at the Rogen same time. And, uh, yeah, that from that film. So yeah. you're laughing half the time, and then while you're mid laugh, somebody's jumping out, scaring you. So it was really you put your guard down. It's super scary, it's pretty super trippy. Fun. And then Alien, Alien versus, versus Predator, Predator which that was, was incredible. Awesome. And then they have a really cool uh, haunted house of Crimson Peak, the yes, new movie premiering yes. tonight. I was excited to see, even though I was getting scared out of my mind and people were running after me, I got to see little bits and pieces from the set. It was really cool. I'm excited to... And a lot of that was actually taken from the movie. Yeah, and we may not movie. have a great story. We're going to go see it tonight after the show. We may not have a great story, but I tell you what, it is going to be beautiful. 
Guillermo del Toro. He never, never disappoints. disappoints. Like, seriously, it's going to be a beautiful film. I suggest you go watch it. I'm going to be honest, I cheated, and I, I read some reviews, and everybody's saying the same thing. It is a beautiful film. So I'm not going to tell you where this is the best film in the world, but I will tell you that it is a visual feed. We'll tell you more about what we thought next week. Yeah, we'll tell you. We'll, we'll give you a little bit. We'll try like to keep that. spoilers out. So, uh, he disappoint, does he disappoint when he sleeps? Because he's not doing anything. He'll no, yeah. because he's creating in his mind. Yeah, he's creating ways. All these are from his dreams, dreams Daniel. Daniel. Yes, All right. This is his wildest dreams. Okay. Anyway, if you got time, go check out Hollywood Horror Nights Universal Studios. I think it ends around Halloween or a little bit after. That would make sense. Yeah, definitely yeah. worth... Uh, we have no idea, but that would make sense. Yeah, definitely worth the trip, though. It was yeah. super, super fun. It ends before Halloween. That would be dumb if you're going at Halloween. Dumb. Yeah, go on Thursday, too, yeah. man. The lines were so short. We got through everything in like an hour and a half, like all six mazes. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the the thing for any like haunted house or anything like that or amusement park you, if you go Monday through Thursday you're good you're pretty well, good because there's yeah do it on Thursday through Sunday. Saturday, Sunday oh okay and it, it's worth it because they take you all the mazes are in the back lot so you get to go like on all the famous back lots of New York City and things that you wouldn't normally get to do when you're At just Universal. taking the the tour and you're seeing everything but they actually take you down. We got to go to the original Norman Bates house. And oh, like, yeah. It was I got incredible. to walk on the nice. Norman Bates Hotel. Yeah, porch. I mean, we were there. And, and like awesome. the, it was it was incredible. The actual hotel, it was there. Oh, and we got like, to walk through the uh, the plane crash from War of the Worlds. Yeah, Silver's War like of the you, World, used, you used to see it on the tram, but you actually get to walk through it. I mean, you're right next to the torn open plane you can see all the details and i mean it's literally so every moment you're not running for your life screaming yeah, like, stop and appreciate oh, look, look at that where oh my you God, are. it's so cool every detail like it was incredible it's so cool. yeah if Check it's it not if it's horror is not your thing just being able to walk through the back lot we almost need incredible. to send you back with a gopro i really yeah. yeah i don't know if the viewers would like to see me scream like a little girl and over he and did over. doesn't matter he screamed like a little girl <laughs> it would be great content the the mini story that I think that was the best for me was going through Crimson Peak. It yeah. was pretty scary, and then you see this hall with an exit sign over it. You're so excited to get out. You make out. your way all the way to that that exit, <clears throat> and then this really freaky old decrepit dead lady, lady yeah. jumps out. Literally swings off the rafters to scare him, and wow. he I screamed. He lost it. Um, like there were swears. <laughs> well, I, children. I backed out of I the maze. Upset. Back first. And I swore like a sailor at that old lady. And then I turned around and the entire line is right behind you. The entire line is behind me. So is it a line of children from an orphanage that have never been out? They're just like (laughs) weeping and just like single tears. Just like, what was that? Catholic. Catholic one. Oh, yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. We thought the haunted house was scary, and then we see this cussing guy outside. Crazy person. At least there's no swears in the haunted house. Yeah. Oh, wrong again. All Here right. comes Jared. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. <laughs> so uh, uh, we're broadcasting live from Gamers End this evening, and they've got a couple events coming up. So on the 17th, they've got the Dice Masters Rainbow Draft. They'll be using the new DC War of Light boosters. So it's a $12 buy-in. It covers the cost of uh, twelve booster pri- and of uh, the twelve boosters, and then it's of course prizes for the top players. On the twenty fourth, uh, from eleven a uh, eleven a.m. through four thirty p.m., they're going to be doing the Battle for Zendikar game day. So it's a standard event, game champ playmat, full uh, art radiant flames for the top eight, and full art uh, stasis 
uh, share for all participants. So, cool. yeah, that's that's the cool stuff that's going on here at Gamers Inn. So, cool. all right, looks like uh, our interview is calling in, so we'll cool. jump on the line and bring him on, and we'll have some fun with the interview. Good evening. Is this Ferret? This is Ferret. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Pretty good. How are you? All right. I'm fine. I'm just enjoying hearing the tales of uh, swearing in front of uh, small children. So that's all. <laughs> See, look at that. You've amused even an I, author. If I can mildly amuse authors with my cussing yeah. around children, oh, then I have done what I've set out to do. Well, can I, this is an actual story from uh, my first book, which is uh, I have a 12-year-old god- goddaughter who I handed the book to, but she hates reading, and I didn't expect her to actually ever read it. But she did, and she loved it, and she left a review on Amazon, which is the best review I've gotten in my entire career, which is, this is a great book. I would recommend it to everybody. I really loved it. It uses the F word on every page, though. (laughs) (laughs) And I actually went through and did math, and I'm like, that can't be true. And it was, in fact, not true that I used the F word on every page. It was every third page. So, oh, oh, okay. okay. All right. Yeah, you know, it's a 30%, you know. At least she learned it from reading and not from te- television or anything. Well, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. sure there were some concepts in there she was not quite ready for. But, you know. <laughs> but I'm pleased to say that but when the sequel came out, I had some friends of mine asking, so what's the ratio for it? I'm pleased to say I've kept that exactly the same for the sequel. So, you know, if you're looking for an effort of a contagious, this is the book for you. Yeah. And if it ain't broke, hey, stay in school, yeah. kids. Yeah. That works. Well, I mean, thanks for coming back on the show. It was great to ha- have you coming back. So the second book is The Flux. The f- first one was The, the Flux, Flux, if yes. I remember correct. It was it was no the. We, uh, originally, the, the first book is called Flex. The second book, they put a the in front of it because everybody was getting uh, Flex and Flux confused. Gotcha. And, uh, again, I'm pleased to note that uh, it still confuses everybody even though we bolted a the on the front. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Yeah. So what so, happens in the next book? Big marketing. Well, what happens in the next book is um, basically, uh, I'm, I'm sure everyone will recall, the trope of Flex is that it had a magic system based on obsession. Um, and basically, if you're a crazy cat lady and you really love your cats enough, you will fall through the event horizon and start doing crazy cat lady magic. Um, so magicians exist, but they're super rare and they're just completely freaking insane. Um, at the end of the first book, and here's a mild spoiler for those of you who haven't read it, um, you had Paul who spent the entire first book trying to rescue his daughter. Uh, at the end of the first book, his daughter winds up getting gifted with magical powers well beyond the ten. So at the beginning of the second book, you have an eight-year-old who the government is out to capture and basically try to brainwash. Um, she is furious that she has to try to keep her powers secret from everybody, and her temper tantrums are getting worse, which is bad because she keeps facing down with police officers, and it's about getting to the point where she's going to kill one of them accidentally. So it's about the struggle of a guy really trying to rein in his daughter from some pretty bad instinct. I see. I hear a little carry going on in there. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, well, I, there's, I there's like a lot the, of... I was going to say, but, I like the, the tag on the daughter's character. It's like, her temper tantrums can kill. I mean, my oh, kids I have temper that. tantrums. I would hate that. I love the idea of kids with superpowers that aren't ready to, to walk into yeah. the world with them yet. It's oh, yeah. really like, quite terrifying. Looper. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Looper was amazing. Yeah. That's just Looper was example. a great one. But, I mean, yeah, yeah it's interesting because what I'm referring to this is, is as a parent, um, 
you know, the only thing that really keeps your kids in line for a long period of time, uh, you know, when they're really just sort of miniature adorable sociopaths, um, is the fact that you can pick them up and bring them somewhere and put them in a chair and tell them that you're giving them a timeout whether you want them to or not. And generally uh, overpowering with, them. Yeah, and generally overpowering them. And to a large extent, the flux is about a uh, father's struggle because he's got a daughter who can warp the laws of physics around her. She's actually become a video game mancer, so she can channel the towers of Mario and, uh, you know, wow. all these kids' games. Uh, yeah, it's great until she turns fire tomorrow and starts incinerating uh, cop cars, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, the struggle is, you know, basically I've said that adolescence is when um, kids grow up enough that you cannot reasonably stop them from doing things, and that's where they kind of have to start learning stuff on their own. Um, you know, so hopefully by the time you're big enough to drive, you have acquired the responsibility. And this entire book is about Paul's struggle because basically he's got a daughter who he literally can't rein in. And how do you teach a kid like that responsibility and morality when, in fact, you've got nothing to do but just sort of a vague complication of guilt complex and hopefully some morality that you've managed to instill in her? I like that. I mean, imagine growing up in the N64 age <laughs> with very little moral consequence to any action you get. Like, I mean, I would be a crazy person. I would be the crazy cat guy. Now. Well, I mean, I think I think when it comes to that is as a parent, that sounds like the most terrifying thing on the planet is your kids are more powerful than you and you really have absolutely no leverage. Um, I think at that point, for me personally, what's worked for me is that emotional, like banking on that emotional power instead of that physical power, because yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I could come up with in that case, because it is terrifying to think, you know, what if, if I threatened to spank my kids and they were just like, okay, mom, you go ahead and try. I'm going to destroy the house with a blink. You know, I mean, what can you do? It's a lot like Carrie. I mean, yeah. it reminds me of a lot of the parenting that you see with But Carrie at least was terrified of her mom. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That if her... you didn't know that, then it would right. be much worse, yeah. Right. So, but I the mean, other thing you have to deal with is that Carrie also, in the end, Killed herself. I'm sorry, spoiler, yeah. but it's a you know 40 year old novel, so who cares? But I mean, <laughs> you know, that's people. a real danger too. You know, which is if your daughter, who is eight years old, is going to go out and cause a confrontation, particularly in the world with this, where magic actually has a severe cost and backlash that he's also trying to protect her from. There's a good chance that she could get killed, or very significantly, you know, something horrible like paralyzed for life and never able to move again. Right. So, again, there's a lot at stake here in terms of how do you raise a kid like that. And, yeah, again, a lot of it comes into morality, which does not help when he finds somebody who can, quote, help him, and that person doesn't necessarily have a good agenda. So, That's yeah, there's, yeah, actually, if you're, like you're going to draw a parallel, the, the parallel that I would use is not Carrie, but um, uh, there's actually a character in the book named uh, after uh, Stephen King's Firestarter, which is a significant <laughs> uh, heavy influence on this one. That's very really cool. cool. That was an awesome book, too. Yeah. You know, it makes me think of, you know, as she gets into her older years and with the new stresses and the new things in life that just drive you crazy as a person, it reminds me a little bit of Chronicle, that film uh, with the kids that come into the superpowers from some hole in the ground or whatever, and then one of the kids with, you know, a pretty rough home life just goes absolutely crazy to the point beyond what you expected from him and his character. Well, and I think what's very interesting about 
this book, as opposed to all the movies that we're naming, I guess, other than Looper, it seems like this father has, honestly, his daughter's best interest, you know, in his heart. And, like, a lot of these films where these people have these abilities and they kind of go crazy, they don't have that stable home life. Their parents are horrible and abusive and... So it's it's kind of a different turn that you've taken it um, with the father generally loving his daughter, but just kind of like, what do I do at this point? Now, what's the background of the child's mother? What's the background of the child's what? Mother. mother. Oh, the mother, uh, you know, that is part of things. Hold on, I have to shut up my dumb dog. Um, the child's <laughs> mother is actually, um, the father, well, actually, there's a couple things going on. Which is yes, the father is definitely um, the father is caring, but in, in the case of a lot of quote unquote good parents, um, he is overprotective and kind of sacrificing everything he he loves in order to protect his daughter, which comes with its own set of drawbacks. Um, right. You know, because I've seen a lot of parents who basically, I mean, and I'm sure you all know the type. You know, they're they're very caring, but they don't go out, they don't do anything. All they do is just kind of sit around looking after their kid, and that sort of truncates what they can actually teach their kids because they're not actually doing anything that makes them yeah. happy. The socially awkward kid uh, that was sheltered growing up finally makes it to high school and then it's just all hell is loose at that point. Yeah. I totally understand yeah, that. I, my mom my mom was that way quite a bit and um also my mom is legally deaf and so she didn't have a lot of friends and she didn't go out and me and my sister were her entire life and my parents were extremely overprotective. And so when I got into high school I was I didn't understand the importance of friendships and those kind of relationships because I had kind of, you know, been sheltered by that and not shown that growing up. So I totally understand, you know. Now imagine if you could shoot yeah. fireballs in your hand. <laughs> that school yeah. wouldn't have had a chance if I could shoot fireballs in my hand. Well, that school wouldn't have had a chance if you'd had somebody who realized you could shoot fireballs in your hands and basically came and said, hey, let me protect you. Let me show you what you need to do and, you know. It's right. not too easy to not too hard to manipulate a kid like that. No, but especially someone who's socially awkward. Yeah, but the the other thing is the other the other problem that comes up is um, the father Paul is divorced from uh, mother, um, and he can't tell her what's going on because in this world, just even being uh, a, a mentor or having any of these magical properties is so illegal that basically you just get hauled off to prison and brainwashed for that crime. So, so a lot of the story revolves around him wanting to tell the mother about what's going on, but realizing if she reacts the wrong way and freaks out, then it's game over for everything that he has. So is the mother working as part of, like, this government or part of that kind of structure, or is it just we're not – mom is kind of unstable in emotion? Uh, mom is very stable in emotion. Mom is very, very stable in emotion. Uh, she's the sort of mother who – um, if there's a problem comes up, you go to a professional to get it fixed. Like, okay. you know, if there's a problem, you, you haul the kid off to therapy. And so Paul's oh. very realistic concern is that if he says, by the way, your daughter's got magical power, she's going to go, well, there's only one authority I can think of to bring her to. Yeah. And yeah. then everything really. goes south really, really quickly. Yeah. So, you know, bas- basically what he likens it to is in the early stages of the book when he's feeling guilty because he doesn't want to lie to his ex-wife. He still cares for her, even though right. their marriage does not end particularly well. But, you know, there's a scene where he's, like, looking at it, and the, the metaphor he uses internally is like, okay, here's a shot. Uh, you know, your kid has terminal brain cancer. 
there is like a 90% chance that this is going to like cure her and there's a 10% chance that it's going to make her into a vegetative state and make her worse for the rest of her life. And how do you measure those odds when like that one in 10 chance literally could destroy your daughter's life? And that's a lot of attention again throughout the book while he's trying to figure out navigating this very complicated situation. So I have to ask, I'm always very interested to ask this question um, because we've gotten so many different answers. What What is your writing process? When you sit down to write, um, what do you do to just really just let it flow? You know what I mean? Oh, God. I'm I a wander, music person. I, I have to have music. <laughs> you see, I wish, I wish I could. I need absolute silence. I mean, I'll, I'll deal with it if not, but I'm too into music. So if I have music on in the background, I just start paying attention to that and I'm not writing. <laughs> But, I mean, like, uh, you know, there's there's two types of authors, generally speaking. There's the plotters, um, who I hate with all my heart because they manage to nail everything down before they start writing. And there's gardeners who start with an interesting sentence and kind of wander their way to an end. And the, the good thing about being a plotter is that you it takes you a lot shorter to write the book. The good thing about being a gardener is that your plot twists are often very, very surprising to your reader because they had to surprise you. Um but it also means that you waste a lot of words. And for Flex, I wrote, I got to the midsection and I realized uh, 20,000 words later that I had to chuck out, 1,000 words is a lot of words, that I had written the wrong antagonist and I had written the wrong, uh, I had characterized Paul the wrong way, so I had to like throw 20,000 words out. Same process happened with Flux, the sequel. I'm writing the third book in the series right now, uh, which is called Fix and it's coming out sometime next year. But like literally as I'm writing it, there is a Word document that has 100,000 words of that. And currently of that, about 15,000 words are false starts where I went, oh yeah, that's, no, that's not actually happening. No, that's, that's boring. No. So it's a lot of wandering around and trying to figure out what happens next. That's really cool though. Yeah. I mean, like I haven't had anyone explain, you know, this method of storytelling to me, you know, I think as, as vividly and right. I mean, I, I don't know if you know, but me and Jessica are, are filmmakers and, you know, we've done some pretty cool stuff. We've won some awards here and there. But, you know, our process in writing, at least for me, has we, always been what you're saying. The is, plotting, yeah, the know, plotting. Well, you, you already kind of have an idea of what the whole thing's going to be yeah. like and you just kind of stack it and get it done really quick. I would be very, very interested to see how what would happen if we start like he does right? and just kind of let the first sentence like start everything and let it grow as it goes along. Yeah, I've never really thought of writing that way, yeah, like ever. Yeah, that's how I you write. That. Really? Well, yeah. that's how Daniel writes. <laughs> no, it, it's well, the, the interesting thing about that is that I thought I was a plotter for many, many years. Um, I thought that that was actually how I did things, and the one complaint I got repeatedly is that my stories felt kind of stiff and clunky. And when I was at the Clarion Writing Workshop, which is a six-week writer intensive, um, they basically showed me that in fact I wasn't a plotter and I was a gardener, and my stories got a lot better. I just had to put a lot more strength into them. So if, well, if you've been say, a plotter all along, it's worth giving a shot. Well, as much as I'm a plotter, I will say this. I will always have the story complete in my brain before I start writing, but by the end of the story, it's something completely different. Then it it always takes a completely different turn than what I thought it was going to, which is really hard because I'm dead set, you know, on the ending. And so when I start to take these little twists and turns, and I'm, I have this huge gap from where I've ended oh, up, yeah. To how she, I get to the end. She falls into this black hole. I do. Anxiety. It's horrible. And, and she so. Comes to me like, hey, what do I do? What I do, guess, I do? And I'm like, I don't know. I'll just go with it. <laughs> I'm kind of like, I, I kind of 
maybe in both, but that's just you can't be both. It's horrible. It the is way, horrible. I would love to see your talent flex and what he's saying. I, I'll, I'll give it a try. Like, that's that's a really fascinating idea, and I think I'm gonna give it a try because I just but, I'm uh, very stubborn, and I'm like, no, this is the end I want. What did I do to my story? You know. <laughs> Yeah, Neil Gaiman likened the uh, the process, and Neil Gaiman's also Gardner, and of course he came up with the best example, uh, best metaphor that I've heard. It's he likened it. It's like you're leaping out of a plane with a big ball of yarn and trying to knit a parachute before you hit the ground. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So I mean, and basically, you know, I mean, and and like jumping out of a plane and trying to knit a parachute on the way down, all the way down it sucks. <laughs> you're like, why did I do this? Why the hell did I do this? And then you, then suddenly the parachute pops up. You're like, oh, that's why. This is wonderful. And you forget about it until the next time you leap out of a plane. So, you know. Like childbirth. My wife's running gag. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know, but I assume it's a lot like that. Yeah, because you're like, what did I do? Why did I do this to myself? And then at the very end, you have this beautiful thing. And you're like, oh, yeah, I could do this again. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> Well, my, one of my favorite stories is uh, we have our fr- two friends in town who have uh, adopted three children um, after trying to have children of their own for, you know, basically like three years straight. And about six weeks after they got their first child, um, they called me up and, like, basically, you know, it's like, oh, hey, you know, Kat, how are you doing? And Kat's like, can I talk to your wife? And I'm like, well, sure, what's going on? She goes, I just need to talk to Jenny. And, like, I go to Ginny, and I'm like, Ginny, what's what's going on? Kat wants to talk to you. And Ginny goes, oh, yeah, I've been waiting for this call. And she picks up the phone, and she goes, you spent three years trying to have a child. You've now had a child for six weeks. You haven't slept in six weeks. You're sitting here looking at this tiny ball of beautifulness, and you can't believe that you're going to have to spend the rest of your life taking care of it, and you feel like you're about to break because you've been doing this 24-7, and the stress is getting to you, and I <laughs> promise you it gets better. Yep. And they went, thank you, and they hung up. That was <laughs> that's awesome it's true I like that <laughs> yeah yep well yeah so yeah that's, I mean and there's been a lot of uh, there's a lot of my childhood rearing experiences wrapped up in this novel obviously so not that I've given birth to a child who blows up cop cars with video game powers but you know some days it feels like that yeah now where what kind of gave you the idea for this unique magic system that you have? Um, it, it's kind of... Um, the, the best answer I can give you is that I, Dr. Strange, the character, sucks. And I really wanted to do better than that. Yeah. Because um, I love Dr. Strange, the idea of him, like the Marvel Comics character. Um, and I used to read him all the time. And whenever I read him, I realized there would be this point which he'd be like oh, I'm going to cast the Crimson Rand of Satarak. And, you know, and he does that. And, like, then he has to explain how powerful this spell is and whether he thinks he can beat this enemy or not because nobody knows whether or not these, you know, are powerful. Like, he, you have no idea how his magic works, and the, so they just sort of make it up for every comic. Amen. And that means that it's hard to have tension in a Doctor Strange comic. You don't know whether he's outmatched until he tells you, and then it's just kind of like, okay, well, I guess he said that. It's fine. Now that you mention so, it, it does seem like he pulls something out of his butt every single yeah. time. You have no idea how it's going to end. You're like, oh, okay, well, I guess I guess we should announce. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, he does. And so I wanted to have a magic system where I'm like, okay, I want really cool powers. I want people to have really cool and unique powers. 
but I want you to have some inherent idea of what they're good at and what they're bad at. And so I really thought about the obsession thing. And, like, for example, the lead character, the parent, the father, Paul, he's a bureaucromancer. He believes in the power of paperwork. Um, and he can do really astounding things with paperwork. I mean, like, he can backdate stuff, so, like, he just thinks about making an Amazon order and it shows up on his doorstep three minutes later. Um, he can rewrite leasing powers. He can, you know, basically do really tremendous and subtle magic. But if you think about a guy who is a bureaucrat, you immediately get the sense that he's not really going to be that good in a straight-up gunfight, which, mm-hmm. in fact, he isn't at all. And I thought about, okay, well, you have a video game Nancy. She's going to be really good at a brawl, but video games are generally not really that good at building stuff that lasts forever. So she's really powerful, but she has stuff that sort of fades. And so when I built the magic system for Flex, I really wanted to have something where you would know whether the character was in trouble or not, just based on their magic sort of a circle of power, not quite that official, but I mean, you know, if I tell you somebody's a doily mancer, you're probably not going to think they're going to beat up anybody in a fight. And in fact, you'd spend the entire time wondering what they could do with their doily powers. And that gives me a lot of fun to have in the books. So I have to assume that throughout the whole novel, you're kind of learning with the character what the character is capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Well, and okay. it's also a case of what the character is not capable of doing. Like, right. because magic is formed by obsession, Basically, it's established fairly explicitly in the novel, um, although it's never stated outright, that the universe lets you get away with this stuff because you believe in its set of rules and that it's an alternate set of rules, that you can't just get away with anything. Oh, okay. Like, for example, okay. Paul is a bureaucromancer. He believes in the power of paperwork, but one of the reasons that that has such resonance for him is he genuinely believes that paperwork causes justice in the universe. Like, paperwork is what stops the bank from just stealing your house whenever they feel like it. Paperwork is what allows you to, like, contest what politicians do in court. Paperwork is what keeps records to stop big guys from preying on little guys. So even though there's nothing explicitly that says that Paul can't, say, just create a million dollars in a bank account from nowhere, that's not what he does because he doesn't believe that that's the way that paperwork should ever be used. So the characters have a lot of restrictions on their own rules in terms of what they can do. And, in fact, there's one scene in um, the second book where Valentine, who is another video game uh, mancer, um, basically she's fighting a bunch of people. And, you know, Paul's like, you know, can't you just knock them all out at once? And he realizes that she can't because in her video game she has to beat them all up individually. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, you so know, I was raised in a uh, kind of a Latino home. And my grandmother would always tell me that if you, like, once you believe it's real, it's real. And so she was very superstitious, very superstitious. We had all these crazy rules in the house about not bringing in bad energy or bad spirits or anything like that. And I like the thought of if you respect it and you understand it, then yes, it's possible, which, you know, I can relate to. But I like that. I think it's a very fascinating concept. Yeah, and it allows me to have a lot of very crazy magic that, is also bounded because if the characters can find a justification to do it, that's fine. But they're kind of fighting their own instincts in a lot of cases where they can't do it. You know, I, I mean, again, yeah. to give you another example, I don't know how well you know Portal, but again, there's oh, a video game Portal. answer in there. Yeah. And she's like sitting there and she wants to get out of this prison, but the prison's walls are black and you can't put a portal on a black thing. So she has to spend several hours scrubbing the wall white so she can shoot a portal onto it. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, That's it, pretty cool. It's all about what you believe and how you actually have to work your way around it. Awesome. 
I love that concept. Yeah. I love that. So mm-hmm. what besides kind of what you told us is are we going to see anything new in this book that we didn't see in the first one? Oh god, yes. <laughs> um one <laughs> of the things that um was a, a sort of constricting factor in the first book um is that you had uh you know, you basically had Paul who was a bureaucromancer and he teamed up with Valentine who was a video game mancer. And they went up against a, a third uh, mancer who is still kind of a you know spoiler, but there weren't a whole lot of crazy people. You heard about them in the sidelines, but you never met other people with even increasingly weird powers. And so in the second book, they meet a whole bunch of really kooky powers. And my favorite out of all of them, um, how explicit do I want to get on this one? Um, basically, you have a guy who has several rules, and the first rule is that you don't talk about his mancing. And the second rule is that you don't talk about his mancing. <laughs> because he is, in fact, a Fight Club mancer and channels the power of Fight Club the movie. Although he claims wow. strenuously that he's read the book, but realistically, between you and me, he has not. So That is hilariously awesome. That is. That's really <laughs> awesome. Yeah, like re- writing a lot of Tyler Durden-style things in the book was a lot of fun to do. So. And, and suffice it to say that somebody who believes in the power of Fight Club has some pretty psychotic powers he can bring to bear. Oh, yeah. Yes. Do you ever run into any issues as far as using, um, I don't know, movies, licensed content and stuff like that referenced in your book, or do you never, like, directly reference them? Um, well, there were a couple of problems. One, I mean, some people have said, you know, oh, my God, I can't believe you got away with that. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even think about that until literally the book went to press, and a friend of mine said, is that a problem? I'm like, boy, I hope not. <laughs> but, you know, Angry Robot, my publisher, didn't have a problem with it. So let's just hope they don't notice. Um, but the one thing, the, the one, I, I don't think it actually is a problem because we're not claiming he is Tyler Durden. He's just heavily influenced by a movie. And it's kind of like High Fidelity where you have John Cusack who is heavily influenced by music. He's not claiming to be this music. He's just referencing a lot. Right. The The one thing that really does bother me about books and this drives me nuts. And again, we're going back to Stephen King. If you read old Stephen King, like, you know, the first five or six books, you know, the ones that were all totally good and you could recommend any one of them wholeheartedly, he has a lot of song lyrics in him. And yeah. in this day and age, if you want to have song lyrics in your book, it's going to cost you somewhere between three and $5,000 for any song you've heard of. Wow. Yeah, and there's a point in uh, The Flux I found this out in the first book when I was uh, quoting Talking Heads because I wanted lyrics from Burning Down the House because there's a lot of fire in that book. And they told me that's going to be like $5,000. I'm like, you're kidding me. And then I wrote the second book, and uh, the end of Fight Club, they have the Pixies doing Where Is My Mind. I just wanted two, I just wanted two lines from that. No, again, would have been thousands of dollars in months trying to negotiate it up with the music book. So... Um, I can probably ref- get away with referencing Tyler Durden, but I cannot mention a line of music directly. Damn copyright! Well, that's just crazy. It's cool that you've kind of gotten around it, though. I mean, I you know I've read some books so where they far. reference, but yeah, <laughs> it just makes well, it like it's like immediately the old rap songs where they were sampling them before the, you know anything really came into it. And you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind if they you know if you told me like you know getting Pixies would be like four or five hundred dollars, I'd be like okay. That's pricey, but, you know, it's a well-known song. It's worth it. But, like, several thousand dollars for a book where, to be honest, you know, I mean, like, that's pretty much my entire advance right there if you take out, like, you know, $5,000. So, 
Yeah, like, we feel you. I mean, even music that has been created um, with the intention of being sold as free stock, uh, you know, stock royalty free music costs us thousands of dollars to use in TV and really? video. Yeah, thousands and thousands of dollars. There's a website called Audio Jungle that we I use quite frequently for my uh, commercial business. And if I want to go buy a license for a piece of music that's going to be seen by more than like 10,000 people, we have to pay up the wazoo for that two minutes of, of music. Even though so it's, it's royalty free? Yeah. Wow. Royal, well, okay. it's, the term royalty free in, in music just means that once you buy the license, you can use it as many times as you want. As far as uh, as long as it stays within the restrictions of the license that you purchase. So if you want to, if you think only a few hundred people are going to see it, or if you're just making it for, you know, fun or whatever, you can buy a license for twenty bucks. But that moment you start using it for commercial use, it goes up in the thousands. Yeah. Because you're going to be making so money. Have out. you ever had like a? Have you ever had like something you made where it had music in it? You're hoping like, oh God, don't go over ten thousand hits, or I'm going to have to pay like a thousand dollars for this. <laughs> no, it's more of a. It's more of the use of what the music's going into. So if we put it into, let's say, a, a independent film, um, we wouldn't worry mm-hmm. too much about that because it, it, they could get a million views and we still have the proper license for it. But if we do something for commercial, the term 10,000 views and up is more of kind of a guideline rather than an actual rule. And uh, so if mm-hmm. you buy it with the intent of using it for commercial purpose, then yes, it becomes a lot more expensive. And then you can purchase different licenses as you decide to, to use it for different purposes. But the point is, it's a pain in the ass, and it's always going to be a pain in the ass, and it's always going to be very expensive. But uh, we feel you. Well, I mean, yeah, people got to make money somehow. Yeah. Just yeah. like us. Yeah, they do have a business to it's run. It's a different, well. yeah, yeah, it's a different kind of art. But, you know, yeah. it's hard to make money yeah. in the arts, and they're just, you know, they're in the same boat we are. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, you know, I mean, here's the thing. I'm not complaining about paying the money. It just seems a lot more. Oh, it seems like way too much money. Yeah, if, the, if you told, or I mean, you just did tell us that it costs that much for a line yeah. from a from a song, I'm like, that is ludicrous. That's way too much money. I mean, yeah, goodness. and I, I think you know they're thinking you know it's going to go to Stephen King levels, but again, I wish they would say, okay, our initial printing on this book is X. We're gonna you know we'll pay you like you know say three cents a copy or something like that, and it can scale up. You know, because I want to pay. I I buy all of the songs I like. Like I listen to I listen to music on Spotify. And I yeah. realize that gives my artist no money whatsoever. So when I like a song well enough, and I go over and I pay that buck twenty nine for it on iTunes, I'm done with it. So I like paying artists, but I just feel like there's this sort of like wasteland between you know like Spotify playing a song ten ten million times and nobody getting any money, and five thousand dollars for two song lyrics. You know. Yeah. The <laughs> well, moment the artist feels that you're going to make any money off of what they've done, it becomes a huge pain in the butt, a web of paperwork, a web of Well, that, I mean, that's where and, most of the money goes to. So you, you've got to pay for the attorney. So they're they're making, what, four, $500 an hour. <sighs> then you got to pay for the the uh, the uh, assistant attorney or what I can't remember what they're called. The paralegal, that's what it, it's drafting up the paperwork for the attorney then to reread and then sign. So we're already what a couple grand in there, and then you know. So it does rack up. It's just it, and it's crazy. It's ridiculous. To be honest, it should just be a flat fee. That's why the term "starving artist" lives on. Yes, <laughs> very right. much so. Yeah. Now that's, that's why we go to shows and just you know like here I'm buying this T-shirt. I don't need this T-shirt, but you could just take the money because it's a little embarrassing to just hand you twenty dollars straight up and say thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, the Flux is already out. It came out October 6th, so you can find it, I'm assuming, Am- Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and any bookstore out there, correct? Yeah, it, it's pretty much out there anywhere. It's Books a Million, Powell's, you name it. So. Nice. So, and then the, the Flex is out there as well. Now, uh, I'm just ju- I just jumped on Amazon, and you can actually pick up both the first book and the set the second book for about fifteen bucks. So, I mean, that's a pretty yeah, good, good deal. deal. So, oh yeah, I mean, excellent. So, if you haven't read the first one, go pick that one up and the second one. I ask like every artist this because you know you can stab me in the face if you want, but this is my preference for hearing these stories. Uh, do you have any audio books or any plans for audio books in the future? And I'm happy to tell you, yes. Yay! Uh, the, first book, the first book they told me, if the book does well enough, we'll do you an audio book. And it did well enough, and they got me an audio book for both of them. So I'm really, really excited nice. Very cool. Yeah. We just don't have time to read anymore. Oh, yeah. So everything we do is audio book. In the car or on the way. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Travel, is it we travel audible? a lot. So. Is it available on those formats? Yeah, i got to tell you, I'm, I've, I've got a six-hour drive tomorrow, and I work out of my home. And, like, you know, people are like, oh, man, you got a six-hour drive to go to a friend's wedding. And I'm like, no, I can catch up on all my podcasts. It's awesome. <laughs> True. Love it. No, I mean, really, that's how it is. Uh, you know, I have tons of books. I love reading. I, But I, I can't pick a book up anymore, you know. Yeah. I, I work from home as well, and it's just so much easier to hit play and let an audio book play, and I can hear it while I'm working yeah. You know, I pick up just as much as I was reading, but it's just so much easier to do that now than, yeah. you know, take the tip 5, 10, 15 minutes here and there to read because it's, life is yeah. just so crazy. I don't have Jess time and anymore. I had a drive, 10-hour drive there and back to uh, San Diego not yeah. too long ago, and we just uh, listened to the Old Republic Revan on the way there and back, and it made the trip a lot shorter. Yeah, but, yeah, I love audiobooks. I'm glad to hear that you've got one uh, available as well. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of awesome. You know, plus the other thing is that my mom is uh, legally blind. So uh, actually there's going to be another audiobook production, but that's literally going to be me reading the book to my mother single-handedly as a oh. Christmas gift. So, that's, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You can't buy that, but it's just out there. It's cute. So. <laughs> hey, it, you, you never know. It could be a limited special edition. There you go. I'll talk to my publishers about that. See how they feel. <laughs> <laughs> They'll probably want to review it first. But, yeah, I mean, so... For our listeners out there, where can they go to follow you? You know, if they're really excited about the book, they love, they've read the first one, and they want to find out what's going on in your world. Um, yeah, I'm. I've got my own blog, um, but generally, you find me uh, twittering the heck away at Twitter um, because I just I work at home and I probably post on Twitter like 20 times a day. It's it's sad, um, but I'm on Twitter <laughs> at Ferret himself, which is it's two R's and two T's. It's F E R R E T T himself on Twitter. And if you want to check out uh, my website, it's T-H-E-F-E-R-R-E-T-T. That's the ferret, two R's, two T's. Yes, I have an unusually spelled name, which means nobody can find me when they're looking for me. We feel you. Yeah, Yeah, Jared has one of those last names that no one can spell right. Uh, As a matter of fact, at my wedding... Or pronounce uh, right. (laughs) Yeah, the the, uh, minister pronounced my last name wrong at the wedding, our last name wrong. Yes, when he introduced us as a married couple. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of thing you really just kind of want to get good pronunciation for. Have it on an index card. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. But everyone got a good laugh out of it. That was the first piece of video that landed online that day. Yeah. Now it's Mr. and Mrs. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So, uh, you know, thanks for coming on tonight, talking about the book. 
Everyone go run out and grab this. This is, I mean, it's right down your alley. It's really fun. We're all passionate and obsessed about geek things, and this is, you know, that, a story right along that, that, you know, our obsessions become our magical powers. And do not forget the audio book. Or the audio book. You can get either one. <laughs> so, uh, available everywhere where books are sold at this point, which is awesome. Like I said, if you want to get, if you don't have the first one, 15 bucks, you can get both of them on Amazon. Pretty sweet. I always wait one day when you say stuff like that for the the author we're interviewing to go, what? They're selling it for what? <laughs> I'm always like waiting every time you tell them the specials. I'm just like, they're not supposed to sell it for that. Hey, but he's still getting the paycheck. That's true. Either way. Yeah. It is very true. If it's a physical copy, don't care what you sell it for. I'm getting the same amount no matter what. So. That's yep. true. Yeah. That's kind of why I always throw that out. <laughs> because I, I've asked that question to an author before, and he's like, I'm getting paid no matter what they're selling it for. They sell it for a buck, I'm still getting the same amount. Oh. Yeah. yeah. That's why I feel we're, comfortable. We're all so jaded. Yeah. We don't care. I get right. my paycheck. Well, thanks for coming right, on the show. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, and let yeah. us know when the next one comes out. We'd love to have you back and talk to you some more. Awesome. Sounds great. So, and I'll be looking for you, you one autumn. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye. All right, everyone. That is author Barrett Steinmetz. Uh, seriously, pick up the the first book is Flex, and then the second book is The Flux. So, really cool re- uh, premise where people and their obsessions become their superpowers. I mean, I mean, he's not kidding. There is, really is a crazy cat lady that has cat lady powers, which is just. Awesome. Awesome and scary all at the same time. Cause I feel like this should be like a really cool Simpsons episode, like Treehouse Terror <laughs> or whatever, but that's pretty awesome. I yeah. love it. So, sorry, I'm having an emergency. Uh, oh, no! Uh, back of the house. So, um, house emergency! House emergency. All right, do so. this. We're going to play a quick song. Take a small break. Yeah! So I can make a phone call. Can stretch their legs or take bathroom breaks. And They're listening to us in the bathroom right now. You know they are. Oh, of course. <laughs> People are nasty. <laughs> And we will return. Okay, what's going on?
liked it better that way. Welcome back to Dungeon Crawlers Radio, and that was awesome. So that was Farron's Ferret Steinmetz and his book, uh, Flux. Uh, the, excuse me, the Flux. Flex. But the wait and the Flux. Okay. <laughs> yes, I know. That's why people are getting confused. So anyway, I, I I want to like completely hijack. Go the ahead. Nude nerds. New, 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 nerd. Did you just say the nude? nude? Nude nerd. Nude nerd. I don't want to see. Nerd. I don't think I want to see nude nerds. nerds. Okay, we're the show really took got hijacked in it. Ratings are about to spike. We're gonna, we're gonna walk out. Dive. <laughs> I'm not sure. The new the new nerd news. Wow. I can see this now, but I am not wearing pants as we do this Oh podcast. gosh. Oh yeah. I'm poor sure, Daniel. I'm sure Jessica's seen it. She's okay with that. That's why I said man, poor Daniel. I am leaving. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Well, this hijack has <laughs> blown up in your face. A full-blown collision, yeah. but uh, yes. okay, here we go. Moving on, we have uh, Battlefront. I have neglected to play Battlefront the beta. <laughs> I got to of how terrified I was of what people were saying, and I want to wait till the full thing to kind of give it its full justice. Also, I was on my honeymoon to get the chance to play it. Um, I've been reading a lot of reviews online, been watching a lot of gameplay. People are not happy. I know you had the opportunity to play. What were your thoughts? Oh, I, okay. Uh, visually, it was stunning. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say that. I mean, I really felt like I was on Tatooine when I was running around on Tatooine. Um, beyond that, it sucked. I mean, really, the the, and we've kind of had this conversation because some things that they pulled from the game. It doesn't feel like Battlefront anymore. It literally just feels like I'm playing Battlefield with. Uh, you know, Star Wars backgrounds. That's Do what you, everyone's been saying online. It's Battlefield with a Star Wars. Well, and you know, the thing is, is that the the evolution of gameplay. I mean, all these youngsters. <laughs> I mean, they love stuff like that. They love Halo. They love Battlefield. They love that whole feeling and that whole experience. But at the same time, the people who love this game are people who were already addicted to the last one. And so when like the mid 2000s. Right. So they're all, you know, a little older and I I think they're trying to to maybe gather in that young audience with this kind of gameplay, but at the same time they're kind of shooting themselves in the face well, because they already they already have an audience that they is loyal. No, you know what I mean? It, well, I mean the problem here is one dice does not do single player games very well. So that's why single mission, you know, single the mission con- the mode. Is, yeah, the campaign that we all have come to love and enjoy is gone. Um, you know, and I know in the beta they did realize that the walker board that they had was way overbalanced. I mean, people were just 
dying left and right. Yeah, I kept mm-hmm. reading that every time they were rebels, they would just get mowed, get mowed over. over. Yeah, the rebels just got destroyed. And unfortunately, when I played, it was I played as a rebel, and I hated the game. It, was, yeah. it wasn't fun. I was getting killed left and right, um, which just isn't fun. Maybe enough. just get better, Daniel. Maybe, Maybe. just get better. Maybe. <laughs> Oh, the well, thing that people really started to Oh, my gosh. To everybody get... calm down. Totally kidding. Well, yeah. the other thing that people were really upset with is getting the specialty characters was almost impossible. impossible. It was, you know, they, there's a video out there on Twitch where this guy, I mean, and he's not like one of those, like me, you know, first-person shooter players. He's pretty pretty good at it. He, right. he was going through. He was mowing through. He was doing his thing. And you're watching this, and he's, he's just like, man, I wish I could be like that playing games. And then he gets to become Darth Vader. And you see him transform into Darth Vader, and a speeder bike comes through, clips him, and he's dead <laughs> like that. And it's like, what the crap? That's what I've been reading, yeah. too, that people are super frustrated they can't become their favorite characters, the hero characters, because of all these really overskilled players that have been playing Battlefield yeah. forever. And I was watching some gameplay of this kid who had literally, literally had gone through like 30 different missions trying to become the hero. He finally gets to do it. He emerges as Luke Skywalker, and then he gets shot to crap like the guy off of the original RoboCop, just completely just hammered with bullets, and he's gone in like two seconds. And he's pissed, he turns it off, and he doesn't play it again. That is the kind of unbalance that I hate to see in any game, let alone Star Wars. Well, let me throw it out. This is a good thing that they've threw it out as a beta, because now they actually have experienced gamers that are going to play it, and now, hopefully... They'll take the feedback that they're hearing, and maybe we will get a single mission campaign mode. They have mode. plenty of feedback. Um, if you've read I mean, their no, yeah, there there has been feedback galore. I mean, this is probably one of the most highly anticipated games I would say in, in the longest time. Yeah. Um, and not only that, it has probably one of the largest fan bases ever. Right. You screw this up, you're pretty much toast. I right. mean, yeah. you screw Star Wars up, you're pretty much branded a pariah for life. And, more, more than likely. George Lucas. Yeah, well. <laughs> well, did you hear what EA pulled like just a couple of days ago? Mm-mm. So they decided, all right, we have all these DLCs and all these things coming out. We want to release what's called a season pass. For an additional forty nine ninety nine. you can have access, early access, and early access to emoticons or some crap like that for the Battlefront game, which you already have paid $70 to, to own for the deluxe edition. Yeah. So you're looking at over $100 to play this game. And I keep, every time we talk about this, I pull up this picture. I'm going to show you here now, Dan. Oh, yeah. I've this seen that. Yeah, is exactly what I'm talking about. Well, old school gamers could enjoy it. I'm, I'm looking at a graphic I see online. And we time. talked about this actually last week with this actual game and the DLC stuff. And it's just, it's, the season pass is probably going to be the cheapest way to buy it. Because if you don't buy it, you're going to be get you're going to get dinged for every DLC they throw out. That's fifteen and, to twenty bucks a DLC. Yeah, and so you know, let's just say they throw out six at fifteen bucks, you're paying more than that fifty. Even at twenty, you know, twenty, you're paying more than that. So yeah, it's reasonable, but I really, it's it goes back to that whole mentality of we don't get a whole game anymore. It really, really sucks. You know, it's like oh, we'll give you this much of a game, and then you know. Sixty, eighty, a hundred dollars later, then you have all the extra cool stuff we added. So for just under two hundred dollars, yeah, you could have the full Battlefront experience for the next six months. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's one reason I hate playing online games. Um, you know, especially like you know, all, I have friends that are like, "Oh, World of Warcraft, you got to play it." I'm like, "No, I just you know, you pay fifty bucks for the game, 
and everyone's like, well, it's just 50 bucks. I'm like, well, then you got to figure out you also have to pay your World of Warcraft subscription, which is what, 15, 20 bucks a month. Then you got to pay your internet, which is, you know, if you're lucky, 40 to 50 dollars a month. So right there, I mean, you're already having an upkeep every month to play this game of 60 bucks. Yeah. You know, that's just to play your game. If you don't have internet, you still can't play it. You know, yeah. if you don't pay your subscription fee, you can't play it. That's why I really don't like inter- you know online games. Um, so with and that's another thing I'm really worried about with this game is the only way I can play it is if I play online, right? Yeah. Because you don't have online the single only. mission mode, and so I hate that. I don't play online games. None you know, of my games you are know online. What my favorite thing to do with the old Battlefront was was Galactic Conquest and Instant Action. Yeah, because I could just go and play at my own pace, not have to worry about my internet, not have to worry about freaking trolls online or anything like that. Yeah. You just go and shoot up some droids, shoot up some clones, shoot up or some Or you had buddies come over and you, you did a split screen. Yeah, a land, a land party. Yeah, or you land party. You know, that and, was awesome. Yeah. Can't do can't that do no more. No. You can't do a land party anymore. No. It's pretty much not even it. I don't even know if the Xbox One has System Link. I know the, the 360 did, but I don't yeah. know if the One does. I don't does. think the original does. Really? No. The original you could System Link. Yeah. yeah oh, System the old Link, Xbox, yeah. yeah. But I don't think Xbox One you can System Link, to be wow. honest. Wow. Because I just think it's all online. Yeah, let me just. That's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. But anyway, uh, me and Dan and everyone have always, you know, given our frustration with modern gaming and stuff like that, especially for this game, which should have been designed and catered towards the original audience of Battlefront. Uh, I think they kind of owed it to their original audience to kind of do something that they would appreciate, and it kind of felt like it was thrown out the window. But that is why I'm waiting. Until November, hopefully they figure all this stuff out, and I can go ahead and buy my Xbox One, my well, copy of I, Battlefront. And this is what I really hope that they take this serious, go back and say, "Hey, we got a few things to fix." And you know, they do add a couple. I, of I don't think they're going to be the, the things that you guys are talking about. I, I just I don't see them having enough time to properly fix these things. I mean, you're talking about I re agree. you're talking about reinventing the entire game. I mean. There's, it's just not possible. My worry is that this is becoming the Fantastic Four of the gaming world. Like it, they, they're up to their neck in bad reviews, and they're gonna maybe try and start over with some aspects. They're not gonna have enough time. They're gonna have to release it anyway, lose a lot of money, and obviously it's just gonna become a flop that people just kind of laugh at. Oh, well, maybe they're doing this on purpose. Maybe we're gonna get some kind of you know release later that allows you to do all of these things, and that's what sucks. I think it'll be a second game, to be quite honest. Yeah. I don't think that they can pull it off with DLCs. It's way too much work, to, especially to download online. It's just, it's kind of a dumpster fire right now. I hate to say it, it but it kind of is. And for people like me and Dan and other listeners here, we've waited a very long time for this game. And every trailer, every teaser, everything that's come online has gotten us even more and more excited. It kind of sucks that up until the beta, you're expecting this really huge, awesome thing. And then it kind of flops right in front yeah. of you. I'm still crossing my fingers that the actual game is... Yeah, I know we're still going to buy it. I'm still going to buy it. I still support Battlefront. (sighs) Just going to keep my expectations a little lower. Eh. Eh. I'll wait. (laughs) I'll wait. That's the one thing I hate. So, you get the game, then you buy all the DLCs, and then, you know, like a year, year and a half later, they come out with the unlimited or special edition, and it has all the freaking DLCs. Why that's, wait till it comes out? And then it's even cheaper than it originally came out. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. So I'll just wait. I don't need an Xbox you One know, right and now. My brother tried to get me into 
Battlefield or Call of Duty or whatever oh, I hate that kids game. are playing now. And I, I got to play it for maybe two or three days until I was like, yeah, I am completely finished with just being someone else's duck target. <clears throat> yeah, really, you know? that's how I feel, and that's what <laughs> I feel like it's going to end up. You I'm guys like, have no idea what it's like to be someone's and, duck target. <laughs> and then I'm going to hate it. You know? Uh, yeah. Okay, so I pulled out Halo 2 on the old Xbox. I'm playing it with my kid, my two boys. And they're kicking my track. I mean, I'm yeah. doing pretty good. I can still win, you know. But I'm really struggling to win. It's not. It's not easy. And that's a pretty easy game, you know. You go on on the battlefield, and I literally feel like that one guy that shows up on you know blue versus red that's looking at the ground and looking at the. That's the, me. Uh, spinning around. Spinning around. That's, that's literally that's how I feel like on the, those games because it's like what the crap? it was really comical watching the gameplay for Battlefront. I remember seeing one where the guy he spawns and he looks up and it literally looks like the arrows from Three Hundred. Yeah, like, <laughs> the sun with all of these grenades. Like, oh supposedly man! You had unlimited grenades. Yeah. Which I think is ridiculous. Oh, so every time man. they spawn, they knew where the spawning points were. So they just they would just hucking grenades. It with grenades. Yeah. So he looks up and the sun is blocked <laughs> by grenades. He's just yeah. And then rinse oh, That's what I felt Thermal like when detonated. I played all those games. I felt like people just look for me in the game, would follow me around to kill me. Cause well, like, oh, where's that? Where's that weak killing. one? Well, no, that's really so what weak. it is. Is they learn where the spawn points are, and then you, you know, and you got guys that are really good at sniping. So they'll sit in a tower, just aim with their snipe gun, you know, sniper rifle, and as soon as they see someone, flip, boom, they pull the trigger, and you're already dead. Those dicks. And I hate those. I hate that. That's, that's awful. That's why I don't like online games, because you have people that that's all they do all day, it's and it's cruelty. like, I hate it. They will seriously sit on their gaming console yeah. from sun up to sundown, and then after yeah. sundown. That's all they do. They have every single motion, every single uh, speed, everything memorized in their mind, yeah. you know, to, to, to dominate. And then there's casual players that come in that just get mowed over, and it just kind of ruins the experience yeah. for them. You know, if I'm playing with my buddies and they're kicking my butt, I can deal with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because we're all having but fun. But when a 12-year-old is talking trash to you. And they're talking trash to me, I'll pick up a pillow and I'll huck it at them. Right, right. But when you're online, you have a 12-year-old calling you every freaking dirty name in the book. And they're just, yeah, you can't. Get your mama on that mic. You know, and then they're then they're saying stuff about how they're going to do something to your mother or something like that. And it's like, what the crap? You're 12. You're talking to a grown man. On you the wouldn't other side. even know what to do with it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. So, anyway. All right. Yeah, that sounds awful. Everybody, write letters to EA and let them know our frustrations. Yeah. Or, your, that, frustrations. yeah um, or your frustrations. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, more Star Wars news. Uh, the new trailer everybody. might be hitting Monday. Yes, Monday. I Monday, think Monday, Monday. Online first, as far as I know. Uh, a new trailer should be dropping for The Force Awakens. Uh, on the 19th, it seems that pre-ticket sales will be uh, oh, yeah, starting. Oh, yeah, and tickets go on pre-Tuesday. So, so, Tuesday. so does that mean Monday, Monday at midnight we get to buy them? Prob- well, yeah, probably. So what I would do okay. is, is if you're really itching to get your ticket for The Force Awakens, because we all know they're going to sell out oh, for yeah. hours, uh, make sure Friday, this pay- this payday on Friday, to save up 30 40 bucks for your ticket and wait till midnight on Monday, or wake up early Monday morning and snag yourself a ticket because uh, I know there's going to be a lot of those uh, what do you call them spawn snipers going after those tickets as well. I don't so, think that applies here. I'm just trying oh, to mesh. Here too. Okay, I'm to mesh I understand you're connecting the conversation. Right, yeah, Didn't right. work. Right. <laughs> anyway, new Force Awakens trailer. Tickets go on sale Monday. Monday. Monday at midnight. 
or Monday. Wait, that doesn't here. make sense. Monday morning, it looks like. Monday morning. Wait, they go Monday morning. That's yeah. the 18th. That's the night. Yeah, 18th. Oh I wow. Was, was reading here. Oh, they, they the 18th same now. day as the trailer releases, the tickets go on pre-sale. Nice. That's, there you go. So 18th. Yeah, 18th. Yeah. It says right 18th. there. Okay. Yep. Eight, don't wait till you see the trailer. Don't wait till Tuesday. They'll be gone. Yeah. Um, such a smart idea releasing the trailer with the ticket pre-ticket sales because yeah. that's just gonna that's gonna coincide with ticket pre-sales yeah. for December 18th release of the movie. So yeah, Monday morning that the trailer genius. hits, and so does the they're gonna May. break records months before it comes. I out. know, that I know. Awesome. Um, I want to talk about Daniel Logan. Oh yeah, there yeah, is yeah. a big thing going on petition. right now. There's a petition to get him as Boba Fett. Um, even. Star Trek. Um, I'm sorry, William Shatner. William Shatner, I would William much Shatner rather is have him than Michael B. B. Jordan. B. Jordan. Yeah. yeah. There's rumors that Michael hey. B. Jordan, the actor from Chronicle and Fantastic Four, might be playing Boba Fett. But but no. in the costume though, not we're not correct. I know, but I would still rather have Daniel Logan or Tamora Morrison, which um, I'm rooting for Daniel. So yeah, I mean, you guys, if you want Daniel, go ahead and uh, jump on that petition. Google. Um, uh, Type in Google uh, Boa Fett Daniel Logan petition. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll be able to find it. Go put your signature down. Help Logan. Uh, That's very Daniel important. Get him there. Yeah. We love Daniel and we want him yeah. on there. Uh, another little bit of Star Wars news. Uh, the Force Awakens is approaching its final cut um, in which J.J. Abrams stepped in uh, between uh, Disney and his production and said, I'm going to have the final cut on The Force Awakens. I'm not going to allow them to Disney-fy it. Yeah. I think that is an awesome move by this director. I think it puts even more faith in what J.J. is doing and what his vision and his passion is for Star Wars. makes me that much more excited for The uh, the Force Awakens. Well, and that, what's Disney-fying? What, what is this? You make it fluffy and puffy Just and Disney fluffy. Disney making any changes to it? That basically, the final cut will be his vision and it won't be the studio going in and making tweets. Well, and I understand that. But... And, you know, and the nice thing is, uh, you know, Kathleen Kennedy is, you know, sticking to her guns and backing him up. That's and, good. You know, Disney has pretty much let her run the Lucasfilms division um, of Disney. Fantastic, but you know, you not saying that they would, but just as a precaution, he's just keeping it in in his hands, which I think right. is amazing. Yeah. Well, it would be hard to put that much work into something yeah. and then at the last second, right, the finish yeah. line, somebody changes a vision well, that you had. The fact that he came publicly out how it's going to be, it just reinforces that action that much more. Yeah. So I, it makes me it makes me appreciate J.J.'s uh, love for the franchise a little right. bit more, which yeah. I think is awesome. Um, what else we got? Uh, oh, the Fantastic Four uh, rights seem to be on their way back into the hands of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That would be amazing. My um, only question is, can they save it? I mean, that's a good question. Because I think people trust Marvel to save it. Well, I, I, can, I do. I can understand Marvel has done, but one, they're boring characters. Mm-hmm. They really are, and that's why studios have had so much problem with them. You know they do, they have way too overpowered or overbalanced villains, and they don't really have cool powers. I mean, other than the giant rock monster that is the thing and the Human, human torch, torch, you know, one gal turns invisible and create yeah, the stretchy you know, thing is just very unattractive. Bubbles, and then you know you got Mister Fantastic that's super smart and can just stretchy, stretchy, stretch everywhere. Yeah, it's I don't like, like that one. 
Do you, did you ever ever have like a Mr. Stretch? Do you remember those? those Stretch Armstrong. Stretch, Armstrong yeah. The the long yeah. it had like syrup in it. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing sexy and fun about that. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So it's just there, you know. And then you got like Doctor Doom, which is a cool villain. He really is. But what you can't just keep throwing Doctor Doom at him. And then their other villains are just they're they're cosmic beings and they're just I mean, we. Yeah, they're just, I really, I love the I silver the silver, silver surfer. Cool. For me, was like the co- one of the coolest things. That's why I like the second. It was one. really cool. Him in general, like his the complexity of the character. I absolutely loved it. It was a little too the day the Earth stood still. It was. For it really me. was. But it because he is he is the herald of Galactica. Right. And so it's well, on top of but it was love, a I loved we all him. We love Doug Jones. Yeah, as well. We love Doug Jones. Yeah. Job. You know, and they didn't even do, do the Silver Surfer right. I mean, really, there was so much more, and so, that character is really complex. And he, yeah. they I mean, squeezed it into two hours. They which did. Was a mistake. They did. But um, those are the old Fantastic Four movies anyway, yeah. and they, they do uh, do a better job than the new one. Oh yeah, they were much better. No, anyway, I mean, they, they, a, they were they. They uh, were better the, than the new the one. I want to throw I want to throw this in, into the pot. I mean, to me, Ant Man was a very very boring character. I did not enjoy reading about him very much. I thought he was just kind of. Stupid. He was less boring when he invented Ultron. I guess I know I know that. But like, now general, he's more boring. In general, like he was just kind of a boring character to me. But I, I enjoyed the movie. I like the, the twist. Part. They did. Yeah. So, here's the thing. Ant-Man is actually Hank Pym, which which was Michael Douglas's character. Hank Pym is an abusive a-hole. a-hole. He beat the crap out of the Wasp. That it was his wife, and he literally nearly beat her to death multiple times. He has anger issues. They just kind of wiped that off the table. And started with the next one. And Ant-Man. started with, you know, the next one. But because, you, <laughs> you know... Was it? And, and to be honest, what can you really do with a guy that shrinks or grows? Super no, I big? know when the when the film yeah. came out, I just I kind of thought it was a joke and it was quite laughable. Yeah. The movie was better than I thought it was going to be, but at the same time, it it wasn't it exciting. Wasn't great, but you can't can come right or... after like Guardians of the Galaxy and oh, yeah. show me that. It's That's, not. I was expecting work. something a lot more like Guardians of the Galaxy because Guardians of the Galaxy, those characters are B characters for for Marvel. Yeah, they are just kind of backup. They're, they're their own little thing, and they made them really good. They're yeah. they're more like C class characters, to yeah. be honest. And so is Ant Man. Yeah. To be honest, Marvel does not have a strong lineup. They have a huge lineup, but yeah. they don't have a strong lineup. You know, you've got X Men, you've got Spider Man, you've got Avengers. the Avengers, and you're naming two things that are owned by Fox. Yeah, I know. Spider Man. Yeah. And X Men. Yeah. Spider Man's by Sony. Oh, Sony. Excuse Sony, me, yeah, yeah. but. Marvel now has and then Fantastic a handhold Four. on those. Fantastic yeah. Four is with Fox. Fantastic. Um, but Fantastic Four isn't even that great of a lineup. That's yeah. true. So they, Bottom line, I think that if we have any hope of getting a good Fantastic Four movie, it's going to be through Marvel. True. Bottom line. My only, my, I don't want to see this is my only worry. Okay, is And this is what we're seeing with Spider-Man. We already have an established universe, and now suddenly Spider-Man's going to show up. Well, you know, we had an attack on New York. Where was Spider-Man? Oh, he wasn't there yet. He hadn't become Spider-Man. So wh- now why they're making a young before. Spider-Man? I think the ultimate theory that we've all kind of you know are predicting is that Marvel is trying to usher in a new younger generation of uh, of superheroes so that they can continue their franchises for the next ten twenty years. Yeah. And you gotta give us a younger Spider-Man that can last long. You gotta give well, us a younger. Fantastic we're saying Thor. goodbye to to Logan. 
and we're getting all these new people, it still doesn't make sense. Well, the timeline. That's, that's still Fox. That's still Fox. Well, I understand yeah. that. So, again, if they're going to introduce the X-Men, so let's say, okay, Fox lets go of those rights, and now suddenly Marvel has the X-Men. You know, they haven't, and that's why we're getting the Inhumans, but now, okay, so we're going to get the X-Men. How do you explain that? Because the X-Men, they can't just be, oh, hey, Professor X is this new, you know... They're going to be toddlers. ...18-year-old that's just shown up, and he's got these cool powers. James McAvoy! That's why I like the X-Men movies, is because they... Yeah, later on they expand, but when you watch an X-Men movie, it's an X-Men movie. Yeah. You know, you don't really have to be, you know, explained everything about every other superhero in the galaxy. You just... Well, no, there's enough superheroes there to make it work. I mean, every... Think of of, uh, Wolverine, the new movie. Like, you really didn't need to know what was going on with the other mutants. You just wanted to see Wolverine kick some butt, and that worked for me perfectly. Well, but you still had other mutants in the story. Yeah, to yes. keep your attention. But you, you didn't need to be explained. Oh, where's Magneto and what's happening with Professor X? Like you just wanted to see Wolverine. Yeah. That's and true. His but guess what? They slipped it in at the end of the story. Yeah. Well, yeah. the biggest problem really with Marvel is their big heroes are in New York. Spider-Man's in New York. Fantastic Four's in New York. The X-Men are in upstate New York. The yeah. Avengers, they're in New York. I mean, it, you think Stanley likes New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you, you really can't ex- explain it properly. I mean, right. where have the X-Men been? Oh, they've been hiding in upstate New York. No, they wouldn't. Well, no. Green would have driven his bike down and started slashing aliens. True. Um, so it would be interesting to see if that ever happens. Now, honestly, Fox would be stupid to let go of that property. Yeah. Really, because... Well, and they haven't done a bad job with they it. They haven't. He's, He's talking, about other really than, talking about dumpster fires. Let's talk about Lord Fantastic Lord. Four. I mean, for them, it's a lose-lose, them holding on to it. They're never going to get that right. Yeah. So letting it go is just going to... For them, know, I think it's a, a smart choice letting that go because now they can focus on X-Men. Right. X-Men so they've done... I think they've done a great job. And so there's well, no reason have. for them to let it go. Other than when Brett Ratner took over X-Men 3. I think I and Origins. It. I think it's been it was, it was a passable film, but yeah, I liked it. So it was okay. It wasn't amazing. After X two, you were. I think it. I think it. It yeah. yeah X Men two was amazing, but I think for me, I just didn't care because I love the characters so much. I would have taken them any way I could have. I enjoy them. the movie. Do you know what I mean? But uh, out of all of them, I think it's the worst one. Yeah, but it's, it's the weakest. But it's the it weakest. is definitely the weakest. Yeah, the second is my favorite. Yeah, for sure. but then bringing in Days of Future Past, that kind of. Wipe that it. one out. Yeah. And so we can just keep moving on. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Days of Future Past. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. you. So. <laughs> anyway, so I think the two biggest movies in the Marvel Universe, not per se, just, you know, Marvel Cinematic, um, Infinity War is going to change the game. Yeah. They could do whatever they want after Infinity War. Well, and with Infinity War, they can literally, it would be a good point that... No spoilers, but yeah. Yeah. I'm not no saying spoilers. spoilers, but it would be a good point for them to be able to move some of these older actors out. Yeah. And bring someone new in. Right. Without affecting everyone going like, no, you can't do that, but they could because of you know the way the Infinity yep. Gems work. Um, and on the other side, Apocalypse is going to do the same thing. The same, I can see it do the same thing happening in Apocalypse right. as well. My only worry about X Men Apocalypse is what I've seen of Apocalypse. I wow, the design is kind of you know. Eh. I, I think there was a meme Ooh. out there that was perfect. Fox's apocalypse 
cosplayer's apocalypse. Oh yeah, way much better. Oh yeah, yeah. The design is kind of funny. It is, but so in we'll, terms of we'll story, I you think know, it's who knows? Funny. Maybe it's a non-powered version of him, and he's smaller. Who knows? It's we'll the bubblegum version. Yeah. The All right. Bubblegum apocalypse. So let's move on to TV stuff because I know you guys kind of want to talk about that, but uh, we did catch the first few episodes of The Flash. So you've watched the first two episodes? Uh, she watched the first two. I had to go to bed for work. But I yep. loved the first episode. Oh, my gosh. I love the. So I much. love how they're pulling the multiverse in. Yeah. So um, much. I mean, you. Uh, I don't want to so give any spoilers, but you the, know there There's are. only two episodes out right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you got the big reveal at the end of the la- the second episode, right? No. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Did you flash? fall asleep, too? I guess I did. <laughs> oh, wow. We got to the point where the um, the other Flash from the alternate universe. The yeah. Zoom. So, so no, no, the, Gay, the Jay Garrick. Guy. Oh, Jay Garrick, yeah. Yeah. So Jay Garrick actually comes back. He stays here, and then he ends up raising uh, Impulse, which later becomes Kid Flash, and so on. But yeah. So they kind of bring in all the Flash family into it. Yeah. I think that is super which is really cool. cool. But um, with and then they're bringing in the multiverse with Earth Two or whatever, and but there's a big reveal at the end of the second episode that you're just kind of like. Huh. So I don't know if we're I, gonna have to go watch it. I don't. I don't want to spill the beans to you guys, but it's it's really like oh boy, you know. And then they did the same thing with the last um, Gotham. Well, you're you're two uh, two episodes. Yeah, we're kind behind. of far away. From, yeah. yeah. So we're like two episodes out of Gotham as well. Sorry, everyone. We've no, been on a honeymoon. Fine. So the, the last one, holy cow! There literally, as we were talking about uh, the other day, they pull a curveball on you so much you're just like, what the heck? Just happened. Dang it! Because I just want to leave. And you know, we've all this. been we've all been talking about Jerome, and think you know we've been thinking, hey, he's the Joker. Well, something happens to Jerome, and I'm going to leave it at that. Dang it, Dan! <laughs> so, I'm also going to bring up right now because our viewers don't know this, but Dan's nephew looks exactly like Jerome. Oh yeah, no, he does. We need to put a picture. We anyway. were at, we were at Salt Lake Comic Con, and we actually had several of the cosplayers go, dude. That's the best joke. Your nephew could pass for that kid off the Gotham. That's the Joker. Like, I'm like, he even I, did the look for us. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm like, okay, do the look. He's like, and he did it. I'm like, okay, I yeah. Can see it. yeah, yeah, he knows. It was uncanny. It was uncanny. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I. How about we talk about a show we did see? American Horror Story. One of the most effed up starts of a season. I've yeah, you know seen. what? I really like it so far. I like it a lot better than um, I liked with the witch one. I can't remember which bitch or I, it was something like, it's what it was called. It was, no, it's not a, don't look at me like that. Anyway. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, it was really messed up. It was totally <laughs> messed up. It's like they, every single thing, you know how American Horror, Horror Story does. Every messed up thing that pulls on all your uncomfortable senses is thrown into a season. Well, they threw all of that stuff in the first episode, and then what they couldn't fit in, that you didn't think they could fit anymore in, they put that in the second episode. So yes, it was a little much, but I will tell you this, I actually love the characters, I love the story. It's only episode two as well. Yeah, and I, I really like it, it's really messed up, but it's really good. If you guys are looking for something to watch in Halloween that's actually fairly decently scary and f yeah, uh, American Horror Story Hotel is definitely up there for us. Well, and the thing is, is it's been a long time since I've watched American Horror Story and then gone to bed and looked behind me to make sure no one was following me on the stairs. It's been a long time. Most of the time, it's like, eh, 
That was suspenseful, but that wasn't scary. Yeah. When I am paranoid at all in my house, because it's very hard to scare me. um, Yeah, it was. That's why. That's why I throw it out about Michael Brent Collins' book because I don't get scared easily, and for a book to freak me out enough that I have to keep my lights on, which I don't have to do anymore. Yeah. Meant that that was a really good book. That was actually a compliment. It wasn't. Hey, I'm a sissy, but you know. That's why I, you know, even Hitchcock movies, I really love those because it messed with your head. Yeah. You didn't really see the death. You didn't see the Once blood. Once it hits gore. you on a psychological yeah. level, it becomes that much more real. Yeah, and which, and, yeah. and uh, Darkness Falls. I love that movie. It still freaks me out, and it's one of the few horror movies that freaks me out because when you see the creature grab someone and kills them, it's always off screen, and yeah. all you hear is the sounds of it. And that is just awesome. creepy. I and that's like the only person that liked that movie. That, that is so much better than you know seeing her grab someone and tear them apart. Because yeah. it's just like, all right, cool, that I've seen that before. And dead proves, silence. I loved it. That proves that you don't need a gore fest rated R movie to yeah. scare anybody, which I don't find that appealing anyway. I'll watch them just you know kind of as a booze cruise movie kind of thing. But when I really want, shut up. Who gets wasted and watches? Never mind, go ahead. That's oh, even more scary. There's some no, it's not that. horror movie, though. At that point, it's just gory, hostile crap. Yeah, it's not scary. But you don't need that to get scared. I mean, people often ask me what's one of the movies that actually scary, And I'm like, uh, Insidious is definitely up there for yeah. me. And that's a PG-13 film. That's a PG-13 film. And it's I can't so go to true. Bed. I have been more scared by PG-13 movies than I've ever been scared by well, R films. because they don't do the gore. They find another way, which then taps into your... Your emotions and your psyche, and starts oh, freaking yeah. you Psychological out. Psychological oh, fear way, is so much. By the way, one of the mazes at the Hollywood Horror Nights was Insidious, and I pooped my pants. Awesome. That was super. Yeah, it took us freaking. an hour to clean, and we missed half of the other stuff going on in the park. <laughs> Just remember, next time to take a diaper. Diaper. And he has to put it on. I didn't think we'd need one on our honeymoon. Honeymoon diapers. <laughs> super so. scary. Super scary. And a TV show. American Horror Story. Yeah. Also one of the scariest things you could probably watch. So definitely check it out. Good season so far. Yeah. I mean, actually, uh, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has actually done really well so far. You know, they're three episodes in at this point. And I've actually enjoyed it. It's, they have, they actually have a story arc. It's not this weird mumbo jumbo they've done the last two. It actually is solid story arc. I want to trust you. But I've been burned before. I have been burned before, and I don't like. I haven't liked this show, and so far, I've the, the really only enjoyed thing it. That I don't like about it because I mean I enjoy TV shows with that format. I just I have no idea when this is happening. Well, the Every nice season. The nice thing is, is this season. You know, they did mention Ant Man, but it was like a passing line. It wasn't. You didn't see like video, and the show wasn't tied to that movie. So I think they've gotten away from that. There's just going to be. They're just going to mention passing events that tie in with the movies. I think mm-hmm. they've kind of moved away from that. Yeah, I want to give it a shot again. But, Our friends at ABC were obsessed with it, and we just yeah. didn't have the time, but I, we'll probably give it, it a shot. It definitely, because first season, I, I didn't like. Second season, I fell out of, and then I just binge-watched the rest of it just so I can catch up. But I've watched each week with this one. It's actually very interesting. Uh, what's the other guy? Not Simmons. Simmons is a girl. What's Fitz. He has manned up. This season, it's pretty amazing. So, um, I'm reading online too that the trailer for Daredevil season two has landed. Ooh, and people are pretty excited about it. Crap. I am pulling it up right now so I can watch it. We'll have to watch but it. But that is a very, 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 very good Marvel show. If you haven't seen yeah, season it one, is. 
get your butt to Netflix and watch it right now. And then The Punisher is going to be in this season. Yes. Um, they're, yes. They're going to have some other guys. Playing him yet? Yeah, it's the guy that played Shane in Walking Dead. Oh, oh they yeah. picked him. Yeah. I think he'll be a good I Punisher. He, yeah, he play, he's got the look. He's got the build. Uh, he looks, yeah, he looks a he's lot got like the he's got the right accent because the Punisher is supposed to be like a guy from New Jersey and New York, so he's got that already. So okay, I, no, trust us. Like you don't, I don't think you've even seen the Punisher movie, right? You don't know much about him. Uh-uh. Yeah, he's a good fit. Yeah, you can you can trust us. So I mean, the Punisher, ex cop, family gets killed, or ex cop, he used to be in the military, family gets killed. I'm just sad it's not Tom Hardy. Sorry, go and ahead. Then, Tom Hardy would be in the movie. This is on the TV show. Yeah, and, oh, okay. then, and then he goes, he becomes a vigilante that he kills. You know, he's one of the few heroes that kills, which is kind of interesting. And Oh, this is definitely the darkest yeah. comic book anything you'll ever see. Yeah, well, and I mean, Daredevil very, very is really dark, so it's, it's a good fit to throw Punisher in there because Punisher can't hold his own on a TV show. Yeah. But this is a really good way to have that character in there. Uh, I'm sure we'll eventually see Elektra... Hopefully, a decent version of her, not the Jennifer Garner. Yeah, version. yeah. But have we seen anything to suspect that she's already made an appearance no, on the, the first season? No. So, but uh, we're almost out of time. So we've got some really cool stuff coming up. So if you haven't noticed on our Facebook page, something amazing is happening November first. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, besides things that are happening, amazing. As of November first, we're actually going to move an hour later, so we're going to move from seven to eight thirty. Um, You'll find out sooner what the why, but are we on a different time zone? No, not okay. in a different time zone. We're moving an hour later. Yeah, but we're moving from six to seven. Six to seven. Isn't that what I said? No. Seven to eight thirty. Oh, the show starts at seven and it's eight thirty. Yes. Okay. We thought you said we're moving from seven to eight thirty. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was no, like, sorry. Well, that's confusing. It, that was confusing. Let me rephrase that. We're moving from six to seven. The show to will still Wait. You'll find out on November 1st. The reason for that, because we'll be building that up, we just want to let you know that we will be moving the time. And for those of you that just download the show and listen to it later, it doesn't really matter to you, but that's okay. <laughs> I uh, just watched the Daredevil Season 2 awesome. trailer. It was awesome. Anyway. Uh, next week, we'll have author David J. West on the show talking about his new book. And then the week after that, we'll be doing our Halloween special, which we've come up with something really cool for you. Uh, I'm sure everyone will love it. So we'll tell you more next week. So we've got four minutes left. Anything else? No. I, was, uh, I, I just watched the trailer for <laughs> Daredevil. You just watched the Daredevil. It's pretty cool. Two trailer. It, they drop a little bit of Punisher love, and it's, Good. it's pretty awesome. Yes. It's very pretty awesome. cool. I don't know if there's any other news that I wanted to bring up. Let me see here real quick. Do, 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 do. We're going to go see Crimson Peak. Yeah. That would be awesome. Oh, and everyone who uh, missed out, uh, Geek Tyrant just held their uh, first uh, international fight with a lightsaber. Oh, yes. They actually invented this holiday. They invented and the holiday. And it is caught on. I was there. McKay was there. Uh, you guys were on a honeymoon. honeymoon. Yeah. There were some lightsaber fights happening. Uh, but the really cool thing is, is it wasn't just here uh, in Utah. It they had caught people fire. around the world that yeah. were sending videos, that were sending photos, and they had. I mean, these weren't like just people just whacking lightsabers back and forth. I mean, they did some really cool effects and things. And stuff, yeah. uh, you had people doing choreography. You had people. You had one person that was holding an argument with their lightsaber. You know, actually fighting with yeah. a lightsaber with a verbal fight, uh, which I thought was kind of. 
kind of you know funny. witty and funny at the same time. You you had video of just kids going at it. You had other people from all over the world. Paris, oh, yeah. Chile, Paris, everywhere. Chile. I mean, they it, they and they're still coming in uh, from what they were saying. So. Hugely um, successful. What day is it officially? October 10, 10. 10, 10, 2015, which they actually got more impressions and more stuff over uh, read a Star Wars book day, which is supposed to be the same day. Um, which, I think they go hand in hand if you really want to yeah. appreciate Star Wars that day. I read love... a Star Wars book and then go fight with a lightsaber. Yeah. Yep. I'm there so sad we missed it because I would be all over that. I know. Rice. Next uh, year, super babe. Excited next, for next year. year. Remember, 10-10, 2016, the next fight with a lightsaber day. Yes. It will be awesome. And, uh, yeah, check out our website, dentalcollegeradio.com. We've got tons of stuff there. Uh, we've also got the fandom videos up there. We've got articles, book reviews, everything there. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube. Just follow us. Oh, and everyone that has been hearing us babble on about The Void for episode after episode after episode, we should be having our first official fandom return episode featuring The Void. Yay! Coming soon. We also need to get stuff from Comic Con out here. Yes, British lady telling us there's only 90 seconds. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll have the videos from Comic Con as well as our space flight, which was awesome. You will see Jessica screaming and yelling at the captain. Yep, mutiny. That was, that was yep. me. <laughs> mutiny. I may have yelled at Daniel. And luckily, a bit. The, the captain was smart enough just to go along with her. <laughs> hey. We lived, okay? <laughs> we did live. <laughs> and we scored. Warp, warp, warp. warp. <laughs> Shut up, everybody. <laughs> that was hilarious. So, uh, yeah, check it out. And uh, we'll catch you next week with more exciting stuff. Remember David J. West? Um, it's a really cool uh, themed Western with some paranormal stuff going on. Cool. So it's really appropriately themed for this time of the year. So. Very nice. All right, we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye, guys. Deadpool again? Seriously? <laughs> <laughs>